Welcome to the Men at Work podcast, episode number 10. I'm your host, Travis Streb. Today, my conversation is with Heather and Mike Odendahl. They are the co-founders of W North, which is a started off as a conference for mid-career women who are looking to move into senior leadership roles. And it has evolved massively and grown into what is now a global gathering of women on the rise. So it includes the conference, there are chapters, and tons and tons of other events that Heather and Mike put on for mid-career women. And they're looking to bring more and more men into the conversation. And so today on the podcast, we were talking about Heather's journey and Mike's journey in terms of building this global gathering of women and how to get more men in the room. We talked about the role of men in empowering and championing women. We talked about the similarities that men and women have around confidence and imposter syndrome, and then some of the big differences too, as far as socialization. I think the most important takeaway here and the big focus that I got from both Heather and Mike was that it's time to stop talking about the issues as much as it is time to start taking action. So this conversation took us down a number of different great paths and we have to talk a lot about business, about the conference, about the impact they're trying to have in the world. And then we also talked a little bit about working on a business as a couple. Um, Heather and Mike are both parents. In fact, their three-month, now four-month-old daughter, uh, Carmen, joined us for the podcast. And we talked about parenting, about the roles, the traditional roles men and women take on and how they balance it out given that they are both powerhouse entrepreneurs. I know you're going to get a ton out of episode number 10, so let's dive in. Both of you are looking, staring down the pipeline at 2019, conference number five of W North, which I've been to. It's an incredible event. I love the boutique scale of it, but um, I don't know if anyone knows the story behind how this whole thing came to be and how you, the two of you have managed to partner on it together as a husband and wife duo. So um, Heather, maybe I'll get you to start with the genesis. <laughs> Since I, I, my understanding is it was your brilliant idea. <laughs> well, it was, it was my idea, but I was pushed uh, to pursue it by my husband. So, but yeah, the, the story goes that um, I was actually working um, in a corporate sales position um, and I was really, actually went looking for a conference that was a developmental opportunity for women who were really driven and ambitious and wanted to get to a C-suite level position. So, um, and living in the Sea to Sky area, um, I was looking outside of Vancouver. I wanted to go meet, meet and connect with women across North America. Um, I, I ended up finding a lot of um, really great entrepreneurial conferences, but no conferences that really focused on that mid-career female on a trajectory. You know, women that are in the pipeline um, in developmental in a developmental stage to become the next you know c-suite level specifically in in a corporate environment like tons Mm -hmm. of that sort of stuff for entrepreneurs and and again your your feedback was tons of stuff for folks who just fresh out of university resume in hand 
not a ton of experience or the the woman who were already at the senior executive leadership and it was sort of this barrier to entry like some of the some of the conferences the the, the ticket price was astronomical you had to be have a net value <laughs> uh that was ridiculously high so that was part of your frustration and i think that's where well that's where i decided as an event a background with event production, um, decided to to create it, and um, Mike actually really pushed me to do it. And so, um, we yeah, I think the conversation it. one one Friday night over a bottle of Pinot Noir, you you expressing your frustration about all the research you'd done, and you got really excited about one particular conference in California, and then they got back to you and said, <laughs> "Sorry, you're you're not." fancy enough or not rich enough to attend I was, and you were venting at that frustration I'm like you know we have an event company right you, you know we live in whistler and, and you were like so you've done a ton of research you, you are the target demographic let's make one um and you kind of looked at me like i was crazy i didn't know what i was talking about and sort of dismissed it and over the course of the weekend the idea percolated a bit more and and then we got really excited about it for the next couple of weeks. And then before we knew it, we had W North version 1.0 happening. And yeah, <laughs> I haven't really looked back and been tons of learning in between. I love the, the ready, fire, aim approach. Um, it's the same approach I took for this podcast. So that's why I love it. It doesn't always, <laughs> sometimes means some long nights, I'm sure, though, putting on a conference. Um, you know, somewhat spur of the moment based on a Friday night conversation. It, that's that's just a mountain of work. Did you have any sense of how much work it was going to be before you signed up for it? I think you did. Like, I think Heather definitely did. She had an inkling about how much work it was going to be. Um, I downplayed it. And then being, I guess, more of the hippie in the relationship, <laughs> um, I decided, you know what, if we're going to do this thing, we have to make it grandiose and we have to have a bigger mission. Um, and that's what really got me motivated behind it is, is what kind of impact long-term can we have with this thing? Really believing, like personally believing in the power of including everyone at the table in the decision-making, everyone have a voice in that leadership, not just the typical stereotypical experience I'd had in my corporate world. Um, and also my personal world, obviously I come from Africa and typically that tends to be male dominated society and, and access to that economic decision-making uh, is generally held by men and not women and looking at the value that you can derive from including women at that decision-making process. So I'm like, okay, so we're going to do this big believer in the multiplier effect that's impact some people's lives, bring people together so they can go out and have a bigger impact out there. So, so Heather looks at me and rolls her eyes occasionally and is like, okay, how about we just produce a conference? Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, in terms of um, the growth, what, what we've experienced over the last 12 months is we've gone from uh, simply executing a conference to building a global network and community of women on the rise. So that, that has definitely scaled the workload in terms of what we're doing. We have six cha uh, chapter cities that we do several events a year in. Um, we have a, an online platform uh, where we, which is kind of a curated application-based <coughs> membership, uh, where inside that we have a number of um, leadership masterminds, workshops, um, one that you um, 
that you're very familiar with. Um, and all of that um, has become, uh, you know, we've built a team, really. It's not just the Mike and Heather show anymore. Yeah, I noticed that as I was researching the podcast, your team has grown. I mean, I met Tara and a couple of the other amazing people on your team, but it has been huge growth. Uh, and it's amazing because you still have stuck to your original vision of having a conference be intimate. And that's one of the things I experienced in attending it is you've got, I think it was 140 people. Is that your cap? 170 is the cap, but yeah. 70 K. Yeah. It's it, but that's, that's a, it's considered a small conference. It's still a lot of people, but man, you do a good job of creating that intimacy. And I think that's where the impact is because the conversations actually have some depth to them and there's room for some vulnerability. Um, I want to, I want to take a step back for a second though, and get you to say a little bit more about the mission behind it. You know, Mike, you know, you mentioned you're more the, the hippie in, the, in this business partnership, but the mission behind it is profound. And yep. I'm curious if you can share that a bit more with, uh, with my listeners here. Um, would like to, um, you know, as, as we alluded to, it started with wanting to, to do this conference to create a space to, to deal with the frustration that Heather was experiencing firsthand. But the more we spoke about it and the more we, we sort of tapped into what, what Heather wanted out of it and what I wanted out of it and the impact, we, we sort of over the, the years rounded out the mission to, to be sort of our elevator pitch to develop more women into leading positions in business and in doing so to elevate uh, the teams they work in, the families they lead, and ultimately the communities that they live in. Um, and it, it's sort of tying into that whole multiplier effect, right? You, you bring people together, you create an intimate setting where, as you mentioned, they're allowed to open up, be vulnerable, be their genuine selves, express the things that they, they're struggling with and look for, for help. And when people connect on that sort of level, there's, there's a built-in empathy and willingness to help. And that's where we really derive that sense of community from. And I think that's central to, to what we're trying to build. Um, and, and with that sense of community, and we've alluded to, comes that willingness to help and share experiences, share insight, share knowledge. And when you've got that forum for that sort of collaboration, you build really cool things. And I think that's probably been the most rewarding aspect of this W North project for me is, is watching the relationships and the connections and then having a look at the collaboration and the projects that have been born out of those meetings of individuals who've attended our networking events, our conferences, our intimate connect dinners, um, and the friendships that have been formed and, and friendships across continents. Um, it's, it's really awesome. Um, so, so there's the bigger sort of vision, watching it actually go from this conceptualized idea to, to seeing real life examples of collaboration resulting in really great projects. What he said. <laughs> Are you, um, I mean, I, I know when I went, I went to your, to the conference last year, I had an incredible time. Um, and thank you for inviting me to, to share the stage uh, with you and the other speakers. It was a, certainly a humbling experience. And, but I, you know, I look around the room and it was, I think there were about, I don't know, were we like 10% men, like 14 out of, or maybe, I don't know. 
Yeah, um, yeah 10%, maybe. Maybe. At, at, a, at a stretch, maybe. At a stretch. I, if we say there were 150 <laughs> folks there, there were maybe 10 men, so just under 10%. So what, I mean, uh, clearly the conference, you know, the theme of global, um, a global network of women on the rise or gathering of women on the rise is you're not going to tend to attract a whole bunch of men at the conference, but I found it immensely insightful mm -hmm. to be in the room and to hear some of the experiences that women are still having, you know, this is 2018, 2019, the same themes coming up. And I'm curious to get your perspective on how, how we can engage more men in the conversation. Um, and, and I know you're doing a lot of this of great work, but where where's the space for men to be involved? And, and then where is the space for them to be stepping away and doing their own work, I guess? So this is maybe a two-part question here. Yeah, I will take this one. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> because it, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually really living this right now because um, I, I do, there's, there's a couple of things, a couple of themes. One is, um, how do we get men in the room? You are correct. For the purposes of the conference, it definitely lends itself more to um, sort of the female development opportunity. Um, however, in some of the other events I'm doing, um, for instance, you know, an event that we're doing right um, next month in the UK um, is we are we are going to where the men are. Um, and so we've partnered with the Canada UK Chamber of Commerce, um, which is traditionally events that are attended by a lot of men. And uh, we've collaborated with them for um, an International Women's Day event um, where, where it's um, almost an all female panel. We have one male champion on the panel because we, we feel like it's there, you know, it's important to have that. Um, that diversity of thought as well. So we have worked with them. And so we're really hoping, we're talking about womenomics, women, economics, um, and why it's good for business to um, elevate uh, female leaders. And so what we're trying to do is really talk to um, the room, which is mostly corporate, um, in corporate central London, about you know, what's the business case for why it's good for elevating women? So speaking a little bit more in their language as to, you know, we, we understand you're trying to run, um, you know, a Fortune 500 company um, or whatever it may be, but we're going to give you a business case for why this is important. So I 100% agree with you. We can't just be speaking to women. Um, and, you know, with events, more events like this, we're hoping to really um, make an impact with regards to um, getting more men on board. Well, and I think you touched on something that's really important there in having that male champion uh, and ally on the panel. Um, because what we do there is we make sure that there's I don't know if it's by accident or deliberate or it's a gut feel in most of the programming we do is we recognize that people communicate differently and respond to different kinds of communication. And by having that mixture of both male and female presence in the way people talk, you allow the audience in the room to feel like they can connect and they pick up different pieces of it. And hopefully some of that messaging and that conversation through that panel discussion is actually 
what resonates and is understood or is, is picked up more than just having a panel of, of the same type of person up on the stage. And so, so there's creating, I think to summarize there here is, is um, we, we need to go to where traditional male environment happens. We need to engage them in the conversation about why it's important. We need to show them that they're champions and it's okay to be a champion of this idea of empowering women and including women in leadership and the decision-making process. And, and then why it's actually good for you. Um, and it's okay for you to change your mind or to question the status quo. Um, and other men are doing it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's great. I, lo- I love that. <laughs> go to where the men are. <laughs> go, to the, go to the central business district in London and, and uh, work with it, the chamber. You're certainly going to encounter lots of that. It's a, it's a brilliant idea. Um, I'm, I'm interested though, you, Mike, you talked, you touched on empowering, you know, men, making it okay for men to empower and champion women. What does that look like? So for the men out there who are like, well, what does it mean to empower and champion? Is it like, what, what are the kinds of specifics that would make a difference for a woman who's a, let's say a mid-career leader like you were, Heather, when you were looking for that conference? Specifics. Oh. What can they do? What can they do? What can men do? I, I mean, it sounds a little cheesy and it's a little obvious. Low hanging fruit is an example here, but maybe it opens up a bit more of a conversation for us. You know, we've, we've got that expression mansplaining, right? Yeah. Uh, quite often in a male setting, we, we compete with our mates uh, to tell the best story and to, to have the most dominant story. And quite often that socialization transfers across to the business place. And so we'll have a business meeting and I'm guilty of it all the time. It's like, I'm so passionate about my idea and I'm so confident that my idea is the right idea that I will drive home my idea. And I quite often don't follow my grandfather's advice of having two ears and one mouth. And there's an inherent ratio there that we should listen <laughs> twice as hard as we talk. And, um, you know, shut up is shut up let the people around the table actually speak and so if it's as simple as that if your your female colleague is trying to explain something (laughs) control your natural impulses at least as it pertains to me and i have to be very conscientious of this just shut up and let them explain what they're trying to explain don't talk over them and that that's a very simple way you can start creating space in a work environment for your female colleagues to be heard. And when they heard, they share their ideas and sure some of the ideas will probably have some validity and some merit and some of them won't, but you won't know if you don't have that opportunity to put it out on the table for discussion and then respect the fact that it should be discussed. Um, and every organization is different within its culture, but if you can, as the individual in your own workplace, make that conscientious effort to allow your female colleagues to have the space to answer questions, to put their ideas forward. You're becoming a champion for that person. Um, and if the norm is to typically experience being talked down to or spoken over and not hearing your ideas expressed and you as the champion at the table in your own quiet, unassuming way, create that space, you become an ally immediately and you and in my own experience in my own professional experience working with female colleagues is you then become a confident and they then want to approach you with ideas and you become a soundboard and it becomes a really great tool for collaboration and, and new ideas and and different perspective in the conversations before you even get into the boardroom or the meeting to present an idea you've, you've had this opportunity with 
with your colleagues who you've developed a rapport and trust with who want to share these ideas with you. And I think that's good for organizations and it's good for the individual, for your own personal and professional growth. So that's a simple one that I've used in my own life. Is, like I said, not, not effectively all the time because my own impulse is to talk, as you can hear. I haven't really shut up for two minutes yet. <laughs> um, there it is. It's, it's good, though, and I appreciate the specifics because a lot mm -hmm. of times, I think, especially around words like champion and empower, it's not really clear. And I, I certainly have felt confused by those terms at times. And I'm with you, Mike. I'm guilty of the same thing. You know, the, the speaking over um, or just not even being aware of your own presence at times in the room and um, or not even recognizing that, that there might be someone who's had an entirely different experience you know, through upbringing and socialization that is just going to be maybe, maybe not in some cases, but maybe less likely to even want to step into the discomfort of speaking up. And so creating, creating space around the table, it's a brilliant and, and pretty actionable um, piece of advice and input. It's, it's awesome. Uh, Heather, what are the kind of things you're hearing from women in your groups that they're, you know, maybe they're, they're still experiencing or, you know, worried about when it comes to gender dynamics in the workplace? Yeah, well, I think one of the things um, kind of just building off of the conversation we just had about sort of confidence of men versus confidence of women, um, one of the, it's, and it's not a new term, but one of the things I am actually hearing a lot more recently is this, you know, the, the imposter syndrome, you know, and that, that notion, we just announced an event in Seattle about this. And, and that's where the floodgates opened. And I started to get a lot of emails like, Oh, my goodness, I'm totally suffering from this. Um, can we do more of this? Can we do another workshop, that type of thing. And imposter syndrome is essentially you know, summarized in, you know, a lack of confidence, a, um, a feeling that you do not belong where you are. A lot of senior female executive leaders um, suffer from it. And this, and very stereotypically, you know, um, it's a confidence issue that not as many men necessarily, not to say men don't suffer from it because they definitely do. But I would say that that is something that is still um, a challenge for women in the workplace. You know, it's funny because I, I talked about that uh, a couple weeks ago with a former colleague of mine, Brenda Allen. She's in the Maritimes and does a lot of work around women's leadership. And um, I have, a, I have a, a similar but a bit of a different view on it, doing a lot of work with men. Mm -hmm. It's a lot like 90% of my coaching is with men. I'm involved in men's groups and doing men's work. And man, it's becoming more common. Mm -hmm. And and I don't know if it's a generational thing or not. I don't, I don't have the research on it. It's more just an, an intuitive sense I have. And then the feedback I continue to hear, mostly from, I don't know, men in their, more in their 20s, but a real feeling that imposter syndrome is real for them. And it's a, you know, and it, I think I for sure agree. It's it's not as common, or either that, or men are just better at not letting it bother them. <laughs> Whatever it is, you know, putting up some false bravado around imposter syndrome. But it's such an important piece, and I'm not surprised. I saw your event announcement, and I'm like, you're not a fraud overcoming imposter syndrome. This is bound to be a popular topic. Um, yeah. So, 
what else are you seeing out there? Well, I mean, it's so it's interesting. It really it does kind of depend on the um, the industry, you know. Um, obviously, a lot of the women I speak to in tech or in the finance um, sector are still, um, you know, feeling the same way that did five years ago in some senses. Um, you know, geographically, it's different. I think some some cities that we have events in are a little bit more advanced in terms of the gender equality. Um, some are a lot more in sort of the old old school. They're having the challenges. They're not getting invited to the boardroom. They're not. Um, they're not. Uh, they're being mansplained over that type of thing. Um, but uh, I think you know one of the things that I am starting to try and um, do a little bit more of is is with our events and with our conferences specifically to stop just talking about the issues and start doing the work, um, you know, in terms of, uh, and, I, and this also comes from the fact that I do attend a lot of women's leadership events and conferences. I don't want to hear about the gender pay gap anymore. Um, I know it exists. And so I want the, res I want the results. I want the action. Um, and so like this year we're, we're bringing in, um, Carrie Gallant, who is a negotiation expert. You know, she, um, specifically around equality, uh, pay equality issues. She, she coaching you on how to negotiate your salary. Let's not talk about the issues. Let's just do it. Let's get her done. Let's, let's get better at this stuff. So I would say, that's my number one focus right now is really trying to change the narrative and especially in our conference to be able to say, okay, we're going to do the work this year. Guys, I, I love that. I love that theme so much. Mm -hmm. I've, I've got to, I got to say, because I mean, it's, I'm heavily biased. I mean, it's my, my work in, in coaching is, uh, you know, I've really been, been clear with people. I'm like, I, I do not want to spend any more than five minutes in theory because if you could learn leadership by reading a book, we would be surrounded by amazing leaders and we're not. Um, and so it happens through action, through, I know, I, through embodiment, taking the ethereal concepts and making them real through your actions. Um, I so wish I was going to be in, in town for this year's conference. I knew I was going to be away even, even a year ago, we're going to be down south, but I love that, that idea. So what, so when, how do we, and your the, the quote you had, it's going to make its way into the podcast trailer for sure. Stop talking about issues and start doing the work. What else does stop talking about issues and start doing the work look like? So we've got, you know, negotiation and what else is out there? Yeah. So actually Mike, Mike was reviewing some of the copy yesterday. and was like, I'm really excited about these workshops this year. So, um, so we have, um, workshop on negotiation we have a workshop on imposter syndrome because after we announced the Seattle event the um, the feedback was overwhelming um, so we got our speaker up from Seattle on the imposter syndrome um, so she's going to be doing a workshop on that um, we have a workshop on um, the uh, oh, this one. <laughs> Executive presence. So how are you showing up? You know, um, there's a, there's a big transition when you are kind of in your mid, um, mid management level to when you move into senior executive leadership. 
um, you know, how you present yourself, how, um, you know, what is your executive presence, um, your, almost your, your brand and how you're, you're coming to the table look like. So we have a workshop on that. Um, what I'm excited about is hiring for diversity of thought, right? Um, again, blessed with having been raised in South Africa. So a really multicultural environment where diversity of thought is part and parcel of everyday life and, and in the language we experience. So moving to Canada and, and, and not getting that same sort of diversity in a workplace environment, I'm really excited to see. And having managed and, and hired and built teams and, 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 you know, that, that bias of hiring people like me, how do I get away from that? How do I build an effective team? Because a team full of me's isn't necessarily all that effective or, you know, how are we expecting to change things if we maintain the status quo? Um, and so that one's being delivered by uh, Mona <clears throat> from Indeed. She's a senior sales manager for training and development. Um, and what else do we have there? Yeah, I mean, just also talking about the way we lead. So, you know, this, this year's theme is Color Our World, um, Diversity, <clears throat> Creativity, and Disruption. And so we're really looking at women, um, at least a lot of the women we attract at W North, we like to be disruptors. And um, we recognize that women lead in a different way. You hungry, sweetie? That's my uh, my little uh, assistant here, Carmen. Yeah, we're doing this. This is like real, real life podcasting here, everybody. <laughs> We've got Heather and Mike and their uh, new daughter, who's cute as a button, and she wants to be part of the podcast. She I, I wanna I want to talk a little bit about this this idea of women and men leading differently because you're you've both experienced I think many different versions of leadership. You're both embodying it even in this very moment as you work as a husband and wife team. But what's the story behind this? Because it's been a bit taboo to talk about some of the differences, but what are some of the differences that you're seeing and, and hearing from the people that you work with all across your, your now growing W North network? Yeah. So I think it's a great question. And I think that, um, you know, as, as businesses, you know, and sort of, social impact becomes more more important and businesses have to change with the you know ever-changing consumer which is as we know the millennial um i think that one of the things that women really bring to the table is um you know a, a sense of empathy um you know there's there's research that um that proves that um brand admiration is really important um and so a lot of the women-run or women-owned businesses, um, there's a lot of brand admiration. So I think, you know, I think there's that kind of, that's in, intuition, the, um, the empathy, the, you mentioned vulnerability, not things that, women, that men don't have. It's just it, some characteristics that women tend to lead with. Um, and tend to have more on the um, sort of uh, more upfront. Um, and an example I think of, you know, is um, it was recently announced within the last six months that the um, the CEO, uh, female CEO of uh, Patagonia, was giving back the ten 
I want to say million, perhaps more <laughs> million dollars worth of tax cuts um, that the company experienced from Trump changing the tax laws in the United States that were favoring corporations and donating them back um, uh, to organizations that they are passionate about. Um, you know, not to say a male CEO wouldn't do that. Um, it's just, it's, a, it's an empathetic um, social impact move that um, this particular CEO did. So I think, um, you know, we, that that is something that is really valuable, especially, you know, we talked a little bit about this next generation. The um, millennial generation is really in tune with that social impact thing. So that's my uh, We can all learn something from that, right? You want to make a better world. That's the sort of action we want to see from our leaders. That's the sort of behavior and thinking about the consequence of our actions, right? And and we you've got this idea of B Corps, right? The triple bottom line. Like I think I, I wish businesses are moving faster to embrace that triple bottom line idea. Um, I think I'm hopeful that the current style of capitalism that we've managed to develop over the last hundred years is, is kind of hitting a point where it's not sustainable and viable anymore. And that shareholder return can't just keep going up and up and up and up indefinitely. There's a finite number of resources available for us. So how can we possibly expect a 10% annualized return in perpetuity? So, so what other kind of return are we going to start looking for from our, from our corporations? What other sort of reporting or shareholders going to need to start demanding? And, I, and I'm really excited about how, you know, in all the negative, and this is kind of going off topic a little bit, but in all the negative stuff we're reading about how we've got 20, 30 years to save the climate and save the planet and, all these other things is you've got a younger generation coming in and that sort of thing means more to them. I think the pressure should go back to, to folks who run companies, uh, board of directors, et cetera, et cetera, that a triple bottom line is going to have to become important. And so I think that's where embracing the different styles of leadership and the different things that, that again, as a generic or generalization, men and women bring different skill sets and leadership styles including a more balanced and diverse leadership group, you're going to be able to make corporations be more socially accountable while still maintaining an eye for profitability, looking after their employees, knowing that well-looked-after employees can look after their family, which makes for better, stronger communities and societies. And, and there comes the hippie again, tying all of that stuff back into that, that impact. Um, anyway. Well, I mean, it's an interesting point, though, right? I mean... You, you know, Heather, you, you did an interview recently for Enterprise Magazine, right? And you talked about this idea about changing corporate structures. And I'm wondering if, like, I'm wondering if it's enough just to wait for the millennials or to wait for the next gen. Because um, I think there is, there's a big appetite for a different style of leadership. But I worry about the idea that it will, you know, the millennials will figure it out because I think, you know, and millennials now, you know, they're leading a lot of these companies still. I mean, yeah. it's not as common now. So I think it's like, yes, it's good to have a generational shift and a, and a ask for it. And there's a lot more that leaders can be doing. And since, you know, still the vast majority of corporate executives are men, there's a huge burden 
that uh, that they bear and that we bear as men and actually fixing the problem that by and large, Mike, you talked about for the last hundred years in corporate culture, we have created because we have been the architects um, with you know minor input from from diverse groups along the way. Um, so what I guess what I'm wondering is, what, getting back to this theme of action over the issues, what do you think is needed, and how do we really get that inclusive and diverse leadership moving in the, in a meaningful way, so that we're not having the same conversation in 30 years, just like you know maybe our parents were having 30 years ago? Yeah, no, it's a great great question, and I I think you know in in a lot of ways it's kind of what inspired me to start W North in this group because. For a long time, I felt like we were talking in circles about how there are more there are more CEOs named John in Fortune 500 companies than there are females. However, we weren't really talking about this pipeline of where these leaders were coming from. And I I think you can expand that. You know, it's a great question because I really thought about this when I founded W North um, because how long can we talk about the fact that there are more CEOs named John than there are female CEOs, but not talking about that pipeline of who is feeding into those opportunities. And that pipeline is not just about women. Um, it's about um, women of color. It's about men of color. Um, it's about uh uh, bisexual individuals, it is LGBTQ, it is all sorts of cultural mixes that need to feed up into um, those top level positions. So sort of to answer your question, I think for the longest time we weren't seeing the change because we weren't focusing on that on that pipeline and that that middle level that's feeding to the top, so things weren't changing. Um, so I think moving into this next 10 years, um, that should be the focus is really is nurturing that pipeline and who are going to be the C CEOs of the Fortune 500 companies in the next 10 years. Um, and what do they look like and what do they sound like and what are their, what are, what are their priorities because that will be what determines the priorities of these companies. Yeah, and I think to try and, and, and summarize or answer your question about the how and, and the actionable piece on, on how we, we get these folks to the leadership table, and you, you gotta, you got to have a look at the systems we operate in and the rules that, that govern those systems. So right now we operate in sort of a uh, chasing the bottom line, profitability, um, and if you put that on and you then take it from the macro sort of scale, that, that's the benchmark. How well are you doing on a project? What's margin are you bringing it in? And what was your profitability? You then take that to the individual focus and the opportunity to work on projects and to produce the results that get you the recognition within an organization that gets you further along your career progression and path to have more opportunities to, to develop not only your leadership, but to prove your leadership and to bring the successful projects in for the organization. So that pipeline Heather is alluding to, that's where W North and other sorts of development conferences come in. Give people the tools and the ability to step up and execute. So that's at the individual level. Once you've got that proven track record, doors open for you and you can have more impact. 
but now let's also invite organizations to our conference so that they can actually hear the conversations about why this is important, why diversity of thought, diversity of leadership, different opinions is important for an organization. So that when that opportunity comes around to promote or to assign someone to lead a project, oh wait, I've heard about this, this is important. And ultimately this only becomes relevant if at the end of the day, these kinds of results um, are important to consumers. Um, because that's how organizations change. Um, and so it's important to have these conversations loud and wide <laughs> so that everyone starts recognizing that this is an imperative for change and things need to change. And so we start talking about, I want to use that example Heather used with Patagonia. I could buy my, my outdoor <laughs> or sports apparel from a company that's all about chasing the bottom line and about child labor to produce goods at the lowest possible cost. Or I can choose to buy a Patagonia product because this is the social impact that they have. So that becomes a consumer decision. And so, so the system's slowly changing, which allows for that, that economic impact decision-making, which allows leaders within organizations to start awarding positions to those folks who are showing leadership potential and have a proven track record. And then at the individual level, it's stepping up and developing yourself and engaging yourself in networks like W North where you can advance yourself and then do develop your skill sets that you can seize those opportunities. So it's not just a, um, a one prong approach. It has to be multifaceted if we're going to affect this change. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great insight as well, Mike, that it's not going to be any one thing. And I think what I love about the message W North is bringing is you're focusing on the, on let's say the, the bulge of talent as opposed to just the top of the house, because let's face it, there's a lot of, there are a lot of executives out there who are making the pledges and saying, you know, talking about gender diversity and they know how important it is, but they aren't quite sure what to do sometimes. Or, you know, I think in some cases they're not really doing the work. Like they're happy to make the pledge, but there may not actually be any action behind it because putting a pledge on a piece of paper is not overly difficult. I've been really, through this whole process, I've been really surprised um, as to how few companies have programs aimed at that mid-career high potential. It's, um, you know, in my opinion, every company um, should have some sort of strategy. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it's definitely um, where these organizations can can put some time and put some focus. Well, and it's also an area where, you know, as you've highlighted, that's where you tend to lose women. I mean, I, I remember working with uh, you know, a very large investment bank that had an incredible program for moving women into managing director roles because they kept losing them at the jump between director and managing director. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that it was, it was pure demographics. It was like when, you know, typically a woman might in North America might enter into a relationship and get married and have kids. And then they're like, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to work like a crazy person, like a hundred hours a week in the office for this MD title. It's not worth it. So they were leaving. And in, in, in this, in this investment bank, they were like, well, this is terrible for business. <laughs> because we're losing these amazingly talented people. So how do we step in? 
So that, like, I, I agree that like those hypo programs are big. What I, what I'm curious about is, again, obviously the theme of men at work here though is engaging men in that conversation, because I know that there's fear there, and not so not from the executives because they've already made it to the top, but there's a sense um, that it might be a zero sum game. Mm-hmm. So if there's a hypo program for women, it's like, oh well, that means if if this woman gets the, the you know, the managing director role or whatever that big role is. And that means I don't as a man, or that means there are fewer spots. And so this is one of the reasons, you know, I started this cast and is to, is to engage more men in the conversation to, to acknowledge. Yeah. In some cases it might, might be true. Like if you, if you need more diversity at the table and you're equally talented, you're probably going to have to pick the diversity candidate, whatever that diversity may be. But there's also room for, it's not necessarily zero sum. And I'm curious to get um, your thoughts on what you're hearing out there and seeing out there in in that realm. Yeah, and I I think with regards to that focus on the high potential mid-career, it doesn't have to just be female, you know? I think, um, you know, that those types of development opportunities or those types of programming, like it could be for, um, you know, if they're high potential, if they are, CEO material, then let's give them the, the boost they need, whether they're male or female. Well, that's just a smart thing for an organization to do. That's just talent retention, right? Um, and if you, you want to create this environment of respect and teamwork and the ability to work together to encourage that diversity of thought and leadership, I think a terrible thing for an organization to do is to then silo silo it out and say, these are the diversity people versus the rest of you guys. Um, yeah, well, I'd be, but that's it. That, that would be a, that's a, could be in some work organizations, a, a, uh, a controversial thing. Cause there's part of it's like, well, no, you have to have the separation. Others think it's, it's about inclusion and others find it's diversity. So there's, there's many different schools of thought. And I, I think I'm, I'm aligned with you though. I believe there's a huge opportunity for a together conversation. Um, which also means that there's room for a bit of a separate conversation. Let's acknowledge differences and talk about it. And then let's, and I think where we're at now in in today's current paradigm is let's get back together and talk about action. Um, We acknowledge there's massive issues um, and, and get back to the action piece. So I have a, (laughs) I'm really interested. I mean, we're sitting here in this podcast, you're in uh, W North headquarters, You've got your uh, your new daughter, and you're you're leading this company together. You know, a man and a woman. You've got children. How does that dynamic work? And you know, Heather, obviously, you know, you're the CEO of W North. Like, how do you you know how do you how do you two work together to make sure that you maintain that diversity of thought and and really embody that idea of inclusive leadership as you lead your company? Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, one of the things that with Mike and I's relationship that we really try to do is play to each other's strengths. And, you know, I am not very good at cleaning the house as an example. Not at all. Um, (laughs) and it would also take me eight hours versus him. It would take him like two. And so we've really, um, We've really, especially when it comes to the home aspect, well, even at work, right? Yeah. There's a lot of the same things happen. I mean, I can, 
um, build an e-news in 20 minutes. And he'll, he's a perfectionist and he'll, he'll be here till next Tuesday. Like, <laughs> so, I, I think it's, it's definitely about playing to your strengths. And, you know, I think that it's, you know, Mike is great because he doesn't really, he doesn't play to those t- typical gender roles, right? He, he knows, he loves cooking. I am terrible at cooking. I burnt a pizza last week. I mean, how hard is it? <laughs> it's well, I think it's it's a little harder when you literally have a baby on your hip to not burn a pizza. So we'll give you a little bit of credit on that one. That sounds like an excuse. <laughs> but thanks anyway, Jeff. Um, yeah, I think it, it's been a an ex, an extension of our relationship, and I think being really comfortable in identifying what's important. I think quite often people get hung up in their ego. Uh, Our ego gets injured, then we get defensive, then we get vindictive, then we got to try, you know, repair things. Heather and I have our arguments, but we recognize that, you know, those differences of opinion and, and differences in behavior are just part and parcel of who it is. And I think both in our relationship and both in the passion and the mission of what we're trying to achieve, we're, we're pretty crystal on that stuff. And that's the important stuff. So when she gets annoyed at me for missing deadlines on e-newsers, cause I'm, I've spent probably the better part of three days wordsmithing topic sentences so that the paragraphs flow properly. She's like, yeah, done's better than perfect. Cause now we've missed the opportunity to communicate with people. I'm like, yeah, but we would have communicated nonsense and it would have annoyed them. Um, <laughs> You know, so we don't agree on everything. So we, we could have an back on forth on that one, but at the end of the day, does it advance us? Does it move us forward? And 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 pick your battles. What are the important things we shouldn't compromise on, and the things that we, we need to be? I, I think the things. I think in our case, the things that we won't compromise on, we're in agreement in. Um, and as Heather alluded to, we each bring our own strengths to to achieving that goal. And we give each other the space to do that. And I think just naturally we figured out how to slot in and support one another. So I know Heather's got a crazy busy schedule. That means I get up early in the morning. I make Luke's food. I get him off to daycare or ski school and I just roll with it. Right. And Heather gives me the flexibility to miss deadlines because she knows for the last three days I've been stepping in and doing all the laundry and cleaning the house and making all the dinner and all that kind of stuff. And then she'll, without even saying it, will take care of the kids so that I can catch up on the deadlines I have and the workload I have and it's I, I don't know how we got there I don't know if it's a very deliberate thing but I think it's just working together and again like I said not losing sight of the fact that there's important stuff and there's unimportant stuff and we can waste energy and emotion on fighting about the unimportant stuff and fixating on that or we can just get on with achieving the things we need to where it matters yeah and I mean that's a it's a really good metaphor for I think this idea of inclusive leadership and is recognizing what you might be good at and where you might need some help and both being able to do that. Or if you're in a larger team, really recognizing that whatever the diversity happens to be. And, you know, in this case, obviously, you know, it's gender driven, but there's, I think a ton of room for that in most organizations is the acknowledgement that we're going to lead differently and we're going to do things differently. And, I think people spend a lot of time, they go to workshops about it or they'll do something, but never really an, uh, 
the, the action seldom follows. It's like, oh yeah, that's right. You know, Karen's different than I am. I should maybe think about doing, oh, okay. Nope, I have no idea how to act on it. And so I'm really thrilled that your mission or your vision this year is about taking these ethereal concepts and making them real. Um, and I also, I heard through the grapevine that not only do you have your conference happening in April, April 10th to 12th in Whistler, but you're thinking about Toronto. Is that, is that something you can share on the podcast? Absolutely. Sure thing. And you're right. And we want to know your sources. (laughs) (laughs) I can't reveal my sources. (laughs) True. Um, We are bringing the W North conference to Toronto for one day summit on Thursday, June the 13th at the Globe and Mail Center. So, you know, similar size, still boutique in nature, just under 200 people. Um, we're really focused on doing the work at this at this conference. We're really focused on um, ensuring um, high potential mid-career female professionals are included in this conversation. And and that's yeah, that's our. That, we're really excited to. Uh, that's my home. Like not my home. I'm from Oakville, but you know my home province. So. I'm really excited to be going back there. And again, it's that idea of, you know, we're going to London where the men are, we're, we're going to Toronto where the business is and where the impact is and the headquarters and the head offices and, and a lot of the financial decision-making and impact in this country is uh, based. And, and, you know, bigger population, bigger impact. And, and again, it's, it's been a bit of an organic growth. Our, our whole journey with W North, focusing on that community, on relationship, through hosting the conference through four years and now into our fifth year, we've, we've been lucky enough to have folks from a number of organizations in Ontario attend or reach out or get involved in, in our chapter city or our chapter there in Toronto. And they've expressed a real need for something like the programming we deliver at W North. And so, you know, <laughs> being as busy as we are, it was like, do we really want to take this on? And, and you know, it just feels natural and it's, it's the next stage in the growth and the evolution of W North. And so, yeah. And for me, a big theme of this is accessibility, like in terms of, you know, there are a ton of people who have reached out to me from um, that Toronto area and they are, we're talking about mid-career female professionals. Most of them have families coming to Whistler for three days, not always on the carts. And so this forum is intended also to be an accessible, um, you know, bite-sized you know, chunk of what we're doing in a one day format, nine to five, you know, hopefully works into your work schedule. You don't have to leave your kids, that type of thing. So you, know, you could, for that kind of a conference, you could even just call in sick for the day. If you're really looking <laughs> for a reason. Endorse and or promote that, but <laughs> I feel a tickle in we, your throat. We are hoping <laughs> let you go to the conference. Hell, they even send a few and of your colleagues with you because they understand the importance of this conversation and hope that going together you can foster that relationship and build networks and community and share ideas um, which elevates and promotes and drives business forward so well I'll um, I'll be the first to to endorse it as an incredible event I know the Whistler event it was um, it was really transformative uh, for me it gave me a whole new perspective on the gender conversation it really helped to fuel a lot of the fire behind this podcast idea and so I'll, I'll, I'll say for mid-career men out there, you know, it might seem like, uh, you know, going out on the weekend and, and doing a Spartan race might feel really edgy and hard, but 
um, there's growth and it, you know, going to a conference where there's 90% women is also very edgy and feels tough and is growth. So for men out there, if you're looking for a conference to go to uh, and you can't attend in April, come to Toronto. I, I no longer have a reason not to be there. I will certainly be in this country and looking forward to seeing you both there. So let me, as, as we close here, I'll, I'll link everything up in the show notes, but where can my listeners find out more about the work you're doing at W North? So our website is the best spot. That's wnorthconnect.com. And uh, that's where you'll find stuff about our Whistler and Toronto conference, as well as all our chapter events and um, conference agenda, everything's up members there. Members club, mission, values, team. Yeah, there's, there's a ton there. And I'll make sure I link up the W North LinkedIn as well to make sure that anybody can come and find out more about it and the wonderful work that you're doing in the world. So with that, I'd like to say thank you to um, both of you and your beautiful daughter for attending the Men at Work podcast. It was a pleasure to talk to you and I really appreciate you digging in. So thank you. Thanks for having us, Travis. Yeah, pleasure was ours. Thank you. All right. That is a wrap on episode number 10 of the Men at Work podcast. Such a great chat with Heather and Mike, they're such great people, such great parents, such great entrepreneurs, and so good to have them doing their work out in the world. So in case you missed it, their conference, W North Conference in Whistler, is happening starting on April 10th, so you're not too late. This podcast is launching on April the 3rd, so you still got a week to sign up and get yourself to Whistler. Men and women certainly invited. I went to the conference last year, and it was a blast. And big announcement, Heather and Mike are on W North. They're putting on a one-day conference in Toronto to pick up all the folks in Toronto that are interested in this, and it's happening on June the 13th. You'll be hearing a lot more of that um, after the W North conference in Whistler, and if you can make it out to Toronto for that one, I highly encourage it. I will put everything in the show notes. Thank you for listening. If you like this cast, if you like this episode, please give me a like. I am also looking for reviews. If you love the podcast and you'd like to leave me a review and you got an extra five minutes, I would sure appreciate it would help me immensely. All right. Thanks, everyone. We will talk to you all next week for episode number 11.